0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: You and I can't overcome the power of sin in our lives. You you probably have tried to overcome, and maybe you were good for a short period of time, you know, for 30 minutes or so. But you and I, we don't have the power to overcome our sin, something that only Jesus can do for us, and he did that for us on the cross. And what we do, it's not us overcoming our sin on our own, it's us just receiving that free gift that he offers us through faith.
0: No amount of your own good works will enable you to overcome the power of sin. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he teaches you that only by Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection was sin overcome. The only way you can have victory over sin is by placing your trust in Jesus. Pastor Dan encourages you to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. No amount of good grades, acts of service, or words will enable you to enter into the kingdom of God. Only by the gracious work of Jesus can you be set free. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter 3, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: First John chapter three, verse four. "Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he, Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. When the Apostle John penned this letter, he wrote this letter at a time when there was a lot of deception and confusion in the church about who is truly a Christian and who is not a Christian. And so John addresses that in this letter. And we've seen really throughout the letter up to this point where he is, he is addressing this confusion kind of over and over. If you go back to chapter 1, for example. And don't worry, we're not starting over. We're, we're going to look at a couple verses. Chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, there, there were those who were claiming to be Christians, claiming to have fellowship with God, and yet they were walking in darkness at the same time. So John is addressing that. He says, no, if, if, if we say that we have fellowship with him but we walk in darkness, we lie, we do not practice the truth. Look at verse 8 in chapter 1. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. There were those that were saying that they were sinless. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Uh, Look at verse 9 of chapter 2. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Uh, Look at verse 11. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Verse 15 of chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 26 These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. There were teachers, false teachers, that were deceiving people in the church at that time and telling people that you can be a Christian and just live however you want. It it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter uh, what kind of lifestyle you have. And it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you believe in Jesus Christ, you're, you're fine. You have eternal life. As long as you confess Christ... You can walk in darkness. You can walk in sin. You can live in compromise. And there were those who were saying, that, that that's, that's okay. And John wrote this letter to, to correct that false teaching. And I think it's a good thing for us to study this letter because that same confusion exists in the church today. There are people today that are, that are still confused about what a Christian is, who a Christian is. These kinds of teachings that say that you, you can live however you want, you can have whatever kind of lifestyle you want, and you can still, as long as you profess Christ as your Savior, you're in. And there's, you know, those lines are still blurred in much of the church today. And so John is addressing that here, and, I, and I, love, I love what John does here in this section in chapter 3. He begins by giving us some real basic definitions for terms. You know, so we're all working with the same definitions here. We're all on the same page. He's going to define some terms for us. And I like that he does that. I think that's a, that's a good thing. And he begins here in verse 4 by saying, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Okay, let's, let's get a, a good working definition of sin. John says, sin is lawlessness. Now, the world gives us all kinds of different definitions for sin. It was an indiscretion. It was a mistake. I slipped. It's, it's my Irish temper. <laughs> it's my old Irish temper, you know, kind of thing. And my great-grandparents left Ireland with the clothes on their back and their temper, apparently. They brought that with them from the homeland. But John calls it what it is. He says, sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is a disregard for the law of God. It's a disregard for the commands of God. It's rebellion against God's authority. It's rebellion against His rule over your life. It's self-will. John says sin is lawlessness. It's what it is. The Apostle Paul warned us that in the last days... People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he said, and yet they will have a form of godliness. They'll love pleasure more than they love God. They'll love themselves more than they love God. And yet they'll still have a form of godliness. They'll still claim to be Christian. They'll still you know, go to church and identify themselves as, as Christians and profess Christ. But they'll be lawless, Paul says. And so sin is is lawlessness. That's our our definition. Now John gives us another very basic definition in verse 5. He says in verse 5, And you know, do you know this? And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So John tells us the reason that Jesus Christ came into this world as a man. He was manifested to take away our sins. That's why He came. Now, if you ask different people, why did Jesus Christ come? What was the purpose of the incarnation? You'll get a whole bunch of different answers. There might be some that he came say that He came to, to be an example to us of how we should live. He came to instruct us on a moral life. Islam teaches that he came as a prophet of God. But John tells us here that the purpose of, of Jesus' incarnation was to take away our sins. That's why he came. He was a good teacher. He lived a moral life. That's true. He was a prophet of God. He was also God incarnate. He was more than a prophet. But the main purpose for his coming was to take away our sins. Do you remember... The Christmas story, when the angel appeared to Joseph and assured Joseph that the baby that was in Mary's womb was truly of the Holy Spirit, and the angel told Joseph to name that baby Jesus. And in your Bible, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that name Jesus, it's in all capital letters. It's in big, you know, it's like he's, the Holy Spirit's yelling it at us, Jesus, you know. You shall name him Jesus. The angel said, For he will save his people from their sins. That's why his name is Jesus and not Frank or Ed or something else. Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Jehovah is our salvation, God is our salvation. Name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's why he came to save his people. To take away our sins. And how does Jesus take away our sins? Through the cross. Through the cross. Jesus came to die on that cross. Back in chapter 1 verse 7 it says, It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. It's not the teachings of Jesus Christ that takes away our sins. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's his sacrifice on the cross that takes away all our sins, it says in chapter 1, verse 7. Not some of our sins, not most of our sins, but all our sin, no matter how bad that sin might be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. You know, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, we're told in John chapter 1, he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Here he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world.
0: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment.
1: But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: And by the way, for you note takers and Bible nerds, That's the first time in the New Testament that we see the word lamb. When John points at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The first time you see the word lamb in the Old Testament is in Genesis when Abraham takes his son Isaac up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. And if you remember, his son Isaac says, Dad, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And do you remember what Abraham said? God will provide himself a lamb for sacrifice. That's the first time lamb appears in the Old Testament when Abraham says God will provide himself a lamb. The New Testament, the first time it appears is when John says, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Titus says Jesus gave himself for us to free us from every kind of sin and to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Look at verse 5 again. John reminds us that In Him, in Jesus, is no sin. He was sinless. He was perfect in all of His ways. Jesus is the only one who can take away our sins because He's the only one that was sinless or is sinless. You know, you and I can't take away our own sins. You and I can't overcome the power of sin in our lives. You you probably have tried, to overcome, And maybe you were good for a short period of time, you know, for 30 minutes or so. But you and I, we don't have the power to overcome our sin. Something that only Jesus can do for us. And He did that for us on the cross. And the Bible tells us that He, he offers us forgiveness of our sins as a free gift. And what we do, it's not us overcoming our sin on our own. It's us just receiving that free gift that He offers us through faith. And that's how we overcome our sins. He was without sin, he had no sin. And, and one of the things that John is getting at and saying this to us that, that Jesus, that in him there was no sin, is he, he's, he's going to talk about here the person who claims to have to be a Christian, and yet they have sin, continual ongoing sin in their life. And he's saying here, Jesus had no sin. He lived a sinless life, and, and yet you think it's OK for you to live a sin-filled life, and it doesn't, it doesn't match. Now, so John gives us these basic definitions of sin and the mission of Jesus. And then now, after giving us these basic definitions, John makes you know, some logical conclusions here based on those definitions. And in verse 6, he, he says here, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, don't get tripped up over this verse. He says here, whoever abides in him does not sin. And here, when he says that, the the verb is in the present tense in the Greek. And so what he's talking about here is he's talking about living a lifestyle of habitual sin, where it's an ongoing, continual thing in your life. Whoever does not live a lifestyle of sin or habitual sin. Continual sin. If you have a a New International Version, the New International Version, I think, does a a better job of capturing the verse. The NIV says, No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or or known Him. And so verse 6 here in this passage, it's not referring to the occasional sin that we all have. It's not referring to the internal struggle that we have as Christians with sin and temptation and enticement to sin. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about the Christian who's backslidden temporarily. It's not talking about the Christian who sins and then regrets it and confesses it and has a desire internally to live a righteous life. It's not talking about that. He's talking about uh, the, the person who continues in sin knowingly and willingly with no desire really to turn from it or or to change and what john is saying here what he's getting at is whoever abides in jesus christ should not continual in habitual sin in other words when a person puts their faith in jesus christ and is truly born again they should see a change in the way that they live there should be a change in your life now That change may not come all at one time the the day that you accept Christ and put your faith in Him. But there should be a change. Something should happen. You should be different. You You should turn from your habitual sinning. Because Jesus was manifested to take away our sin. And if He's taken away your sin, why then are you continuing in it? Unless maybe He hasn't taken it away yet. And the Apostle Paul talks about this, this change in Romans chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. But Romans chapter 6, the whole chapter, is about this change that takes place in a believer's life. And in chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we just continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall... And listen to what he says here. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know? Maybe you don't know that you've died to sin. (laughs) Maybe you don't know that. Or do you not know that as many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Paul says, hey, we, we died to sin. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you were baptized in water, your old life was dead and you were declaring that it was dead and that you have this newness of life in him. So he asks the question, you know, if we died to sin, how then can we continue living in it? And the answer is we shouldn't. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. What a wonderful verse. We're no longer slaves to sin. Now, before Christ, if you're here today, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a slave to your sin. It controls, it rules, it dominates. But once we put our faith in Christ and we're born of God, Jesus Christ, through the cross, He frees us from our sin. And we're no longer slaves of sin. He goes on later in the chapter, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He continues, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to, to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. We're still slaves. We're just no longer slaves of sin. Now we're slaves of righteousness. He says, I, I speak in human terms. Because of the weakness of your flesh... For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, there's that word, lawlessness. We were slaves of lawlessness. Lawlessness, he says, leading to even more lawlessness. So now, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, he says, hey, our old sinful man was crucified with Christ. And we are now free from the dominion of our sin. We're no longer slaves of sin. The cross has set us free. So we don't have to continue living a sinful life. And John says much the same thing in 1 John chapter 3. Whoever is in Christ does not continue in a lifestyle of sin. Sin is lawlessness. We've already established that definition. As a Christian, we're not lawless. Our lives are submitted to Jesus Christ. Our lives are, are under His authority and under His commands. You know, we have a law. We submit to the Word of God. We submit to the commands of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, the Bible says. You know, Galatians, it says, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We yield to the Holy Spirit. So a Christian's not lawless. A Christian has a law that governs how we live. And John says here in chapter 3 that a life of of habitual sin, it's inconsistent with abiding in Jesus Christ. It's incompatible with for a new creation in Christ to be comfortable in habitual sin. So he says here, whoever continues in a life of sin has neither seen him nor known him. He asked me how I know and I say than the finest crystal.
0: If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, You can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.